0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Hoden. I'm Lou. I'm Brian. And this is Enemy of My Enemy, where we talk about things from a left, right, and center libertarian perspective. Uh, my apologies to everybody on Twitch. Apparently, we're not allowed to go live there because we're not allowed to use the word atomic bomb in a title. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to edit that real quick uh, when it comes to it. Uh, today, we're discussing the efficacy and efficacy of dropping the atomic bomb on Japan in World War II. Um, Brian has graciously agreed to fight two-on-one here, or one-on-two, and be the pro-atomic bomb guy. Um, he's wrong, but I like him. Uh, there's a, You know, there's, there's a lot there's a lot to take in on this uh this is one i actually uh when i found out we were talking about this i listened to an audiobook. book I, d- I downloaded a lot of articles and it's not simple um there are libertarians or at least ex-libertarians like austin peterson that favored the atomic bomb to drop it's it's certainly a minority sentiment but it certainly exists within libertarian spaces and of course outside of libertarian spaces it is about a fifty-fifty split on whether it was a good idea or not. And so it's good to be able to discuss these things. We just had the anniversary of I hate it when they say anniversary because I think celebration when I hear it. And so when right. somebody's like, it's this uh, it's the anniversary of the nuclear bombing <laughs> draft, I'm like, Oh, no, I don't that's not. I'm okay with forgetting that one. You know, there's most anniversaries you don't want to forget that one. That one probably not so much, Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different uh, things to say about it. Um, Brian actually uh, is educated about it, has some strong feelings. Lou actually has personal experience with this, or at least with the fallout from this. Totally
1: there. I look really good for my age. Yeah. Great
0: <laughs> <English>. <laughs> Your personal <laughs> input Roger, on this. No. Yeah. <laughs> Lou, Lou Oppenheimer. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's there's just there's a lot to go, and so I'm just going to let everybody give their feelings about it. Um, I'm gonna, Lou. We'll sandwich Brian a little bit. Lou, I will let you deliver. Uh, what you have to say about it, then we'll turn to Brian and I'll, uh, I'll finish this up there. So, Lou, go ahead and give us your thoughts from a lefty point of view. How you feel about the U.S. government dropping a nuclear bomb on Japan?
1: It was a shit idea. The end. No. Um, okay. So many of you may know, some of you may not know, I actually grew up in Tokyo. So, my whole like middle school and high school, and I was a cheerleader and all of this. And one of the, um, you know, when we would go for away games, like our football team would go, we would travel. And one of the schools that we played against was Sasebo, which is in Nagasaki Prefecture, is right there. Um, and multiple, I've had multiple occasions to go to Nagasaki and see everything um, as you know, someone who lived a few hours away, Um, it was a, it was something we did actually quite often. I think every year we did like a a field trip with the school and we went to like the Peace Museum and things like that and different sites in the area. Um, I did not make it to Hiroshima, although many of my friends did. Um, I wasn't able to go on that trip. I think that was our senior year. and. You know, it's very a lot of the same kind of stuff. And so I chose to come to this discussion today for more of a, you know, as a true lefty for more of a, a feelings and experience um, place. Because I know you two have probably researched it and know all kinds of like math numbers and stuff that I'm not going to know. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I can tell you um from growing up in Japan, and I had sort of this weird double exposure because I was educated on a military base, so it was an American curriculum. Um, but we also, being in Japan, we had a lot of influence in our curriculum um, from the, you know, from the locals and things like that. And I also did uh, summer school programs at the University of Tokyo. And so I've had a lot of really interesting conversations with people, um, people whose families were there, their grandparents were there or, um, you know, things like that, or who had grown up in the area after um, it had happened. And, And today it's really fascinating because if you look back at old pictures of the devastation and then you go to Nagasaki now, it's incredible to see how they have rebuilt and the community that they have. Um, but the two big things that I have noticed is from an education standpoint, um, you know, we all know kind of what they teach us in America about, you know, what we did, you know, we saved the world and we ended world war two and this was a wonderful thing. Um, and it's, it's so glorifying of it. But then when you go to school in Japan and what you're taught is actually, it's it's sad, but very humbling um, in so many ways because the way it is taught in Japanese schools is that this is a thing that happened because like as a result of the terrible things that you know, the Japanese government and the emperor and all this were doing at the time. And that, you know, it was sort of a, we kind of deserved it. Like they don't outright say that, but it was a, you know, it's very humbling to them. It's like, you know, we were doing some really bad shit and they smacked our hand and what, you know, that sort of thing, which I find really fascinating because also coming from a military background, we look at Other countries, particularly, you know, something that's relevant right now in the Middle East, where we have been at war and caused all this devastation and death. And we've basically created more terrorists in the effort to like fight terror. But Japanese culture is so, so incredibly different um, that their response to it was not to become radicalized, but rather to sort of take a step back and look at themselves and go, okay, let's, let, let's change what we're doing. Like, obviously this isn't working. Like we poked the bear, right? I mean, everybody knows the line. Oh, we poked the bear. Um, and that was a bad idea. Um, From obviously from a moral standpoint, um, and as sort of a pacifist and a peace loving hippie, <laughs> um, the fact that we did it at all, and the number of children and civilians and all that were killed in a horrific way. and then the people in the community, after the fact that have dealt with long-term issues from radiation and and all these things it's it's awful and it never should have happened. Um, you know, I know one of the big arguments is, You know, statistically, if you look at the numbers and this trend would have continued to go this way or that way, more people would have died if the war would have continued. So by this one big sacrifice in the long run, we actually saved a lot of lives. And while that sounds great on paper, and I really am, um, I'm a data person in a lot of ways. However, a life, taking a life is not a data point. Like, it's, it's so much more than that, and that's not okay. I'm sure there were a million and one other options to end the war, stop, you know, do something, right? This is never the answer. Nuclear weapons should not exist. It's horrifying to me that they even exist at all. Um, that said, I kind of want to quick caveat. Like, I am – that doesn't mean that I am against nuclear power, yay green energy <laughs> um and and responsible green energy um, but i don't know to see it live and sorry i'm getting some strange feedback and i don't know where that's coming from um oh it's gone now
0: and it's
2: back and now it's back <laughs> oh is that you sorry. i don't
0: believe so
1: it's odd. Oh
0: yeah, maybe it's me. Hang on, let me fix my. I mic think he's talking playing
2: a video or something in the background. Right, be, or something like that. That's so odd. But go ahead and continue. Sorry, <laughs> it
1: was just kind of like throwing me off. I couldn't think what I was thinking. As all I was hearing in my head was that. Um, yeah, so I guess from a personal experience, it's. <sighs> It's sad and heartbreaking to see what these people have gone through since that happened. I, and I think that's something that really is missing in American public education is we hear about, you know, the bomb was dropped and the war ended and boop, that's it. Like, you don't hear, you're not, we aren't taught in the United States what happened in Japan, in Nagasaki, in Hiroshima after that and how the people rebuilt and the things that they dealt with health wise and security wise and all of that. Um, you know, and uh, there was a lot going on at the time between Japan and China and Japan and Korea and Japan was doing some pretty terrible shit and it needed to be stopped. Um, absolutely. I ultimately in the, in the long run, you know, where, Japan is today and the culture and the people, I think it's wonderful. I, that's home to me. Um, you know, that's, that's my culture. Like I still feel like a foreigner in a lot of ways here in the U S because my culture and my, like what I know is Japan and we're, you know, it's a very polite society. They're very, um, forgiving and, loving and kind and just generous and, and all these wonderful, wonderful things. Um, but that was something that's always been ingrained in the culture of Japanese people before and since. Um, so, you know, just as Trisha said, like the option to burn children's skin off is not an option. That's never okay. Um, I, I think we would have gotten here another way. I, I really do, um, because the culture there is what it is. We would have gotten there another way. That w- we didn't need it.
0: Yeah.
2: Appreciate your thoughts there. Does my mic sound okay now? Do I sound okay? It, there's a little bit of- There's like a background noise. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like a bat. It's like an office in the background or something.
1: You know what it reminds me of is the old party lines when you can oh, kind of hear somebody yeah. else talking on the phone and they're listening, right? Are we old? <laughs> are we that old?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> People are probably watching this going, What the hell is a party line?
2: Yeah. Back when we
1: had phones plugged into the walls.
2: Yeah. <laughs> why uh, are we, yeah. oh, they're plugged into the wall we have to charge them every night what's the big deal why would why is that a big deal? <laughs> you couldn't unplug them from the walls. Was,
0: sorry go ahead it's not being a millennial you got like the 80s music is now classic rock and i'm just like oh, no, God, no. No, i heard no.
1: green, day. No. green oh, day on today. the classic rock station no, 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 and no, no, i no. lost my shit
2: i i i have officially i i i freaked out a little bit today Um, Today is the 30th anniversary of Metallica's Black Album. It was released (sighs) 30 years ago today. Yes, it was. I remember when I first heard it where I was sitting in my buddy's apartment in college back in 1991. And I went, that was 30 years ago. Ouch. (laughs) That hurts. That hurts. That hurt hurt a
0: lot. All, All right, right, Brian, well, give us some more pain. Go uh, give, give us your pain. thoughts well, from you know, a uh, right wing perspective on the nuclear
2: bombs. Go ahead. Lou, from, from a perspective, I would have loved to have seen the war end without dropping nuclear bombs. I would love a world where nuclear bombs don't exist. Um, the reality, though, is they do exist. They were going to exist, kind of no matter what we did. Uh, the research had already been started. Um, that Was it accelerated by World War II? Obviously. And uh, it was completely intentional that they wanted to make a bomb. And that effort to, went, hey, we can do really other cool stuff with it, which is what we want. But the, the, the questions start becoming, did the war end because of the bomb? That's number one. Number two, how does the war end without it? Let's say there's a problem and they say, you know what? We can't make this work for another year or two. Which which was a possibility. That's why they did the Trinity test, was to make sure because they weren't sure that they could make it work. And the third question then, of course, is which is worse? So we have to understand what was going on in the world at that time. I mean, we had VE Day, we had defeated Hitler, and we were looking at possibly doing the same with Japan. But Japan's a different animal altogether. Japan is not Germany. It's not mostly landlocked. It's a island nation with very steep cliffs, very easily defendable steep cliffs. Let's go back a little bit in time here on what happened before then. We have two two battles for you. A Battle of Saipan and the Battle of Okinawa. Both took place before the bombs were dropped, obviously. In the Battle of of Saipan, there were 32,000 Japanese soldiers on the on the island. 24,000 were killed and 5,000 committed suicide. That leaves you with 3,000. So they killed 90% of the soldiers on there. Now that number is nowhere near the number that we were experiencing when we were going through Europe with Italy and Germany. Even with conscripts and things like that, those numbers were nowhere near a 90% kill rate, which no, the, trust me, the Pentagon was not happy about that. In Okinawa... That number changes a little bit. There were about seventy-seven thousand Japanese soldiers on the, on the on the island. Seventy-seven thousand Japanese about one hundred sixty-six soldiers were killed on the Battle of Okinawa. Thirty thousand Okinawa conscripts, those were people that were drafted into the army, were also killed. And pretty much a you know it comes to a grand total with civilians and everything else of over one hundred and ten thousand dead. Now, that's a 100% kill ratio on the soldiers and about another 30,000, 40,000 people that were dragged into it, along with the stories of people jumping off cliffs because they didn't want to be captured by the Americans because it did go against their beliefs at the time. So this is what set up everything for what was coming on the home islands, which, by the way, was the big part of it. Everybody's taking a look and saying that they were going to have to invade Japan, And that in and of itself, and these are two islands that are really not even considered home there. I mean, Okinawa has got its own ethnicity to it. And it's even though it's part of Japan, it's it's kind of like and and Lou, you can probably say it better than I can. It's more like I want to say Puerto Rico. Uh, Trish, I'm going to get to you in a little bit. Um, (laughs) So but the reality is that it was not how this is what we were looking at going into. The conservative casualty numbers for the U.S. invading Japan were half a million soldiers, half a million U.S. soldiers. Now, you can say, Brian, that's a simple price to pay, blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. Okay, I get that. The estimates on the number of Japanese soldiers that were going to be killed in this invasion comes anywhere between 10 and 15 million, plus another 15 million civilians. So we're talking in the neighborhood of 30 million Japanese out of 100 million Japanese, 30% of their country being killed in this battle to take back the islands. This is what we were looking at. The Japanese were not about to surrender before the bomb. Were they looking at fighting to the bitter end? Yes, there are plenty of, of, of details, um, messages, memos, everything else that says they were going to fight to the bitter end. And In fact, we're still fighting internally until the bitter end, until the emperor called it. And not only did his recordings for the surrender, which, by the way, those two recordings were almost lost during the coup that took place in between the time that they were trying to surrender until he had to finally do the second recording, which says it is an unconditional surrender. Now, we can get into the details of it, and it's unfortunate what happened, but this was the most effective and efficient way. And I know people are cringing on me saying that, but the numbers really kind of play out. Do you do you accept to a half a million people being killed or do you accept 30 million? If you say, I don't I'm going to I'm good with the 30 million because, you know, it's battle and stuff like that. Where are your moral values? Because you're killing 30 percent of a population of a country. So the reality is things were not looking very good if this war was going to be an invasion. And the bombs clearly accelerated and ended the war very quickly. Something that everybody in the region needed to have happen. Cool.
0: Well, Brian, thank you for your thoughts. Uh, I got a bit of a different take here. I did write down all my thoughts, and I timed them out to about 10 minutes. So let me uh, let me get started. Here. I'll go take a nap. <laughs> all right, take a nap. Wake me when you're done. <laughs> All right. So, from the Japanese hierarchy to the American politicians, it was widely known that Germany's invasion of the USSR on June twenty second, nineteen forty five, would soon knock Japan out of the war. The U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff issued a statement that declared, "Quote: If at any time the USSR should end the war, should enter the war, all Japanese will realize that absolute defeat is inevitable." Unquote. Truman wrote in his own diary on J- July seventeenth that Japanese hero Hirohito was prepared to concede by August fifteenth. On August 12th, 1945, less than one month before the nuclear bomb was dropped on August 6th, Ambassador Naotaki Sato went to a diplomatic meeting in Moscow and submitted terms of surrender for the Japanese forces. These terms included reparations for the damages done, the forfeiture of several Pacific islands, and an end to all hostilities. Indeed, an intercepted conversation revealed that there was only one reason The peace talks didn't work out, and that reason was that America and her allies demanded that Hirohito be tried and executed for war crimes. Emperor Hirohito was an awful person, and the discovery of his own personal conversations reveals that he was not, as some people say he was, a peaceful man held captive by his cabinet. While he was somewhat hesitant to enter the war, he had decided by the end of it to truly make it his war and push the offensive. Sanctions would not have worked against Hirohito. He did not surrender after the first bomb was detonated because these deaths were largely civilian casualties. It made no difference to him. He didn't surrender after the second nuke targeting civilians for the same reasons. In fact, he didn't surrender until September 2nd of that year, and it had nothing to do with the nukes at all. The Japanese military surrendered after the invasion of Manchuria by the USSR. Another missive details exactly how little difference the nuclear bombs made on their decision. On August 13th, well after both bombs had been dropped, Prime Minister Kantaro Suzuki explained, quote, the Soviet Union will not only take Manchuria, Korea, Karafuto, but also Hokkaido. This will destroy the foundation of Japan. We must end the war when we can deal with the United States, indicating that the nuclear bombs were an annoyance that could be stood up against, but the loss of these tactical territories to the USSR could not be tolerated. American propaganda attempted to hide this fact. But even on a plaque in Washington, D.C. that commemorates the bombings, it reads, quote, the vast destruction wreaked by the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the loss of 135,000 people made little impact on the Japanese military. However, the Soviet invasion of Manchuria changed their minds. End quote. Even to this day, the words on that plaque are altered on the military's website to make it appear as though the nuclear bombs were deciding factors. This was all confirmed on the American side as well. Truman's diary reveals that with surrender imminent, he had to hurry up to drop the bombs. The bombs had nothing to do with weakening Japanese morale by murdering their families. It had everything to do with showing off to the world that making them afraid of America's, uh, to make them afraid of America's new weapon. The terms of surrender that we accepted on September 2nd were even less charitable than the the submitted terms that we already had on the table. Hirohito was never tried and executed. That was simply an excuse. Within a few years, he would actually be a regular guest at America's White House, visiting the USA several times before his death in 1989. Of the eight five-star generals, seven of them came forward to state that the nuclear bombs were unnecessary and exacerbated violence in the region. MacArthur thought the use of atomic bombs was inexcusable. He later wrote to to former President Hoover that if Truman had followed Hoover's wise and statesmanlike advice to modify its surrender terms and tell the Japanese they could keep their emperor. emperor. Quote, the Japanese would have accepted it and gladly, I have no doubt. Eisenhower said, quote, the Japanese were ready to surrender and it wasn't necessary to hit them with that awful thing. Unquote. Fleet Admiral William Leahy wrote that the use of this barbarous weapon at, at Hiroshima and Nagasaki was of no material assistance in our war against Japan. The Japanese were already defeated and ready to surrender. In being the first to use it, we had adopted an ethical stand, standard common t- to the barbarians of the Dark Ages. The deaths of Hiroshima and Nagasaki dwarf what was done at 9-11. But we tell ourselves that it is all right because our murderers dressed up in nice, nice suits and spoke English, while their murderers wore shaggy beers, wore turbans, and lived in caves. 150,000 people were wiped off the face of the earth in an instant. 100,000 more deaths would follow during the fallout. This does not even touch on the millions of lives that wound up with lifelong deformities and burns due to radiation. One might say that the nuclear bombs were, were an end that justifies the means, except it's clear to me that historically speaking, what happened to Japan wasn't even a means to an end. It did not contribute to the war's end. It led to something else entirely. Lee, uh, Leahy's position is that in a moment, we adopted a new standard, that killing innocent people because the government claims it is necessary became the way of military life going forward. And how prophetic are his words now? We excuse bombing weddings because it's better to kill loads of innocent civilians so long as the terrorists are afraid. Even still by our own calculations, military operations kill nine innocent people to every one actual target. This policy became acceptable beginning with the nuking in Japan. We currently distribute weapons to terrorists that are killing three times the quantity of people that died in the Holocaust, all because of some justified end that never seems to end. My natural inclination is to go economic when we have this discussion. Indeed, we should remember that the capitalists predicted that this is what would happen after countries adopted Keynesian economics. Indeed, in 1949, the very year of this horrible act, it was the first year that the United States had changed its economic equations to coincide with Keynes. This is no accident. Market goods are creationary or protective, and for them to be destructive absolutely requires complete ignorance of market demand. It requires government intervention. This cannot be understated, and perhaps at a different time, I can go into why the capitalists were able to predict with 100% clarity that war would be the result of embracing Keynesian ideas. But let me conclude my thoughts by making a moral argument. Let us say that I ignore all this evidence and say that my opponents are correct. I'll play make-believe and say that murdering a quarter of a million people saved millions of more lives, Let us say that Japan would have never surrendered until every serviceman was dead and an American flag flew above Tokyo. I would still oppose the bombing. Giving the government the authority to make such a decision, even if it is a mathematically correct decision, does not ensure that the government will be mathematical about it going forward. How many unethical laws do we have now that were passed because of one instance where it was right? They use a crisis, propose a solution that would have alleviated the crisis, and then apply that solution to our every way of life, even after these crises have faded. The idea that government will only tactfully murder civilians to save more people is not only historically inaccurate, but it is wildly immoral. Nobody should have such power, and if they do, surrendering that power is the right thing to do in the long term. People with such power do not give up. Being right once does not mean it will be right forever, and the government has, and will continue to kill innocent people because of the decision we made on August 6, 1945. We frame this argument as the trolley problem. Some must die, some more can live. But when we surrender to the government control of the trolley, the tracks, and the people, they are incentivized to create nothing but endless trolley problems to justify their own heinous acts. As the greatest military commander of all time, Commander Shepard once said, killing innocent people doesn't end wars, it starts them. Indeed, as we look back on the years since 1945, opening the box of killing innocent people has led to so many wars that even the people fighting in them can't keep track. Even if the war ended on one front, which it did not, it opened a thousand other fronts. Killing innocent people is now a daily routine for our government. If we can swallow the use of the atomic bomb, then there is truly no pill that we cannot swallow. As a libertarian, I draw a lot of lines that government should never cross, no matter how good its intentions appears to be. Killing innocent people en masse is so far beyond that line that I cannot fathom how my philosophy would even entertain the idea. Call it the cold calculus of war if you must, but this calculus of war does not permit the persistence of peace. Like so many graphs and calculus, it is endless. To use mathematical terminology, it has no limit." Government has a way of turning what was supposed to be limited into the unlimited. Libertarians must deal with unlimited governments in every way of life. But when it takes a vector that approaches taking infinite lives, there is no greater atrocity that we can suffer. In the long run, we'd have been better off and safer had we dropped food, medicine, and loving notes on Hiroshima and Nagasaki on those fateful days. But we chose death instead of life. And predictably, our politicians have chosen death every day since then. I condemn the dropping of the atomic bomb through every lens that I can look at it through. My mind tells me that it wasn't logical or necessary, and my heart tells me it wasn't compassionate or good. If liberty and justice are for all, then they must also be for the mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters who on August 6, 1945, looked up from their grocery store parking lots, classrooms, office cubicles, and dinner tables, unknowingly witnessing the last day of their lives, Liberty and justice for some doesn't have the same ring to it, especially when it is the politicians that get to decide who those some might be. And that's how I feel about it. And I understand that there's a lot of I understand differences of opinion. But for me, I feel so strongly on this that it's I I, just, I have it's a tough wrong. time. <laughs>
2: you have uh, four errors in there, but we, we will go there through it. it, it I'm sorry. I'm it, sorry with your, your right. moral thing is just um, stuck with me a little bit. Number okay. one, yeah, Truman uh, was well aware of what it was had to be done with that. Now, Truman could have said, looking back at, it, he could have said maybe there was a different way, but unfortunately, there really was not. Let's go. Let's rewind a little bit in the war. What happened with the firebombing of Tokyo and how many people were killed with that? With the napalm bombing that took place, which, by the way, if you know that a lot of a lot, uh, LeMay, I believe it was, that didn't want to fly in that uh, in that bombing raid because he thought it was inhumane to drop napalm on residential buildings, which is what happened. I kind of agree with him on that. But I still want to know how the war ends without the bomb. That's that's the number one question. It, are you telling me that we should have dropped food on there? Okay, how are you going to transfer food to a country that's already starving, by the way, which is the piece that you've left out, unfortunately, has had, by the way, all of their harbors and mines by... What was the name of that uh, operation they did to mine the harbors? Oh yeah, Operation Starvation, which knocked out 90% of shipping going into Japan. The rice harvest had already crumpled, their oil was almost down to zero, and they were still getting ready to fight to the bitter end. So, Hody, please tell me exactly how this was going to change any differently. How was the emperor, who was not at all willing to surrender until after the first bomb was dropped? And even then, his war council still put out feelers to say that they wanted to not only be held uh, not responsible for war crimes, they were willing to surrender and give up islands and things like that. But the war council and the the emperor would still remain in power. Well,
0: according to them, it didn't make a difference. You killed a bunch of their civilians. If you've mentioned, they didn't care to feed him. They didn't care to keep him alive, Okay, so it didn't so, matter. Okay, so
2: we should have accepted those
0: terms and left him in power? Uh, if it if it says, you kill your one guy, or else we will kill 250,000 of your guys, then, but yeah, they weren't sure.
2: Killing, they weren't killing the emperor. Nobody was trying to kill the emperor. You didn't see the Japanese people rising up to go up against the emperor. In fact, they were being conscripted to fight in foreign wars. So, All right, Bushido, yeah. Okay, so once again, Soviets enter the war, they go through Manchuria. By the way, Manchuria, by the way, most of the army at that point had withdrawn back to the home islands for the big final defense of the home islands that was coming up. So they were killing about a quarter million a month, I believe it was, in Manchuria during that time frame. About, what was it, Uh, 19 million Chinese were killed during the entire war by Japan. So once again... Someone who has killed just as many, if not um, just as many people as Hitler did. You're OK with leaving them in power, leaving his generals in power and starving the nation. I, I mean, just please uh, tell me how that's going to be different than the bombing. Sure. Or better or better. Please tell me it's better than the bombing. Sure.
0: People see America in a different light instead of seeing us as villains to be fought against they see us as they they begin to realize the cracks around what the emperor's propaganda has been right their their entire machine being that we are monsters and if we prove that we are not monsters then there's there's cracks there this is what happened in cuba this has happened in other countries as well where we hang
2: on hang on sure we were broadcasting messages every 15 minutes dropping leaflets and it was having zero effect This is going on before the atomic bombs were being dropped. This was being done during the Tokyo bombing firebombing. This was being done during every raid. We had Japanese prisoners who were translating for us, verifying the translating right. And we are dropping millions of leaflets over every major city. And there was no rebellion against the emperor at any point in time.
0: Well, words are cheap. I mean, like I said, it's not just okay. messaging, although that's part of it is we education. said that
2: they would see us as, as awesome because we stopped bombing. Now, they're blockaded. They've got mines in every harbor sinking almost 90% of anything that goes in. No food's going in. Their harvests have crumpled. They have no oil to transport the food. How exactly is starving that entire country who is not rising up against their emperor going to be better?
0: Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how me giving them food is
2: starving them. How, like, what, what's, wait, how are you what's going the argument to feed, there? How, how are you going to feed logistically 100 million people with airplanes, B-29s, which, by the way, have a, probably about a maximum capacity of 20,000 pounds? Well, I mean, you know what? We try, and if we can't, how? at least they see that we tried. Okay, if we can, how, how if we can sneak out?
0: a plane over there with nuclear bombs, we can sneak a plane over there to drop food crates. Like, okay, I, so
2: you drop twenty thousand pounds. Let's say we drop twenty thousand pounds of rice. In, okay, and this now becomes a logistical issue. You okay. drop twenty thousand pounds of rice. Okay, you fly it over there, you drop it. When okay. if they shoot you down? Because, by the way, they were still shooting down reconnaissance planes, weather planes, everything else that was coming around leaflet planes and oh by the way we still don't talk about the entire about what was it five percent of all of the army air force deaths were due to malfunctioning equipment so you had a decent better than zero chance on takeoff of dying carrying that food to the country that's trying to shoot you down well we protected that nuke pretty well didn't we both of them no actually well we the only reason we didn't at the time is because we had knocked out a good chunk of their air force. But and not think, even that. Yeah.
1: But only 3 3 out mm-hmm. of the what was it 12 people on board um mm-hmm. knew what their mission even was or oh, really told me where they was, were going.
2: That's pretty standard actually because the whole idea of loose lips to sink ships was the mentality even once they period.
1: were in the air
2: yes yeah they they do even and yet, I, okay
1: growing up military believe me and having been married to a military man mm-hmm. who's been deployed like i completely understand opsec okay right. been mm-hmm. there done that Mm-hmm. But there's also some sneaky ass bullshit when you're putting young guys up in a plane and going, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do. And then when they land, go, oh, by the way, you just murdered a shit ton of people. Okay. Like, What kind of sh- like mental.
2: Like, have, have you- Let me ask you a question. What's the difference between the bombers who went out and bombed residential neighborhoods with napalm? What's the difference? These guys knew what they were going into. There was a chance they were going to die doing the mission and that what they were doing was killing people. And If they
1: went in knowing what they were doing, that's on them. That was their choice to follow that order. They
2: got into it. They knew there was a big bomb on board and they knew they were flying. They weren't told it was a weather reconnaissance mission. They told that it was a bombing mission with a new weapon. That's all it was. They weren't told the scale of it because honestly, we're talking about 1940s technology and 1940s OPSEC. So it's, it's again, we get back to this thing. Yes, we can criticize for them not telling them what the bomb was on board and what the the expected damage was going to be, what the risks they took. But those pilots and those air crews knew kind of what they were getting into. The next question is getting back to Hody. How do you feed that country when it is blockaded, they are still shooting down and attacking our boats. How do you feed that country and say that we're awesome in feeding you? Plus the logistics of getting all that food to 100 million people and making sure it gets to the right people. What happens when you drop that food? What happens with Ethiopia? We were dropping millions of tons of food in Ethiopia. Where did that food go to? Didn't go to the starving people. Went to the people with guns who went, hey, you know what? I'd like to keep a couple of bags of these rice or I'd like to sell them.
0: Right. Funny how we can be accurate when we want to be. Um, we're dropping right. right
2: the bomb and then it's like, oh, we're really accurate. Accuracy, that, but, oh, okay, okay. Hang, on, hang on. Hang on here. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sure, whoa. sure. sure. You're dropping logistics in a bomb. A bomb you want it to break. okay? You want it to be at a certain point and you want it to go boom or you want it to do what it's supposed to do. Dropping logistics is completely different. And we're talking 1940s infrastructure here. We're not talking... A C 130 coming in, dropping his parachute skid. We're talking from 8, 12, 15, 20,000, 30,000 feet up, trying to drop precision on a guy who's looking through a glorified microscope to try to get it to land in a certain area. You know, the bombs, you know, radius that they were working on was measured in like half mile, which, yes, it's an atomic bomb, so it doesn't have to be that close, but. You're gonna do that with a pallet of food? Sure. Sorry, we dropped it in the ocean. Oops. Sorry, we dropped it into the giant fire that was right there. We dropped it into inhospitable part of the country. Which, by the way, there's a lot of inhospitable parts in Japan, right? Oops.
1: Sorry, we dropped a nuke on your child. How will with the oops. We dropped the rice in the ocean.
2: Okay, that's, that's fine. Then you're good <laughs> all of a sudden we're stupid and
0: accurate with, with rice. You right? are good <laughs> with
2: starving. You're good with with making Yemen. Look like your kids not getting McDonald's last night because that's what was going to happen in Japan. Either we were invading or starving them out. Now, if you feel better that those kids didn't get vaporized, but that they millions more died because, well, you know, we didn't vaporize them. Hey, you know what? Hey, I feel better Then that's your ethical issue. But from everybody that's involved in the war. Everybody that was looking at being in Europe and having to go fight in Japan, including my grandfather, I got news for you. It was a godsend that those two bombs came in and ended the war because the notes that you have, Hody, that you referenced, I had to say are incorrect. Okay. The emperor was willing to surrender. Okay. we. I've got show notes here, too, so we can put them up there and you can compare the, the timeframes. Sure. The emperor was willing to surrender conditionally. He was left in power, his war cabinet was left in power. There were no gonna be not be tried for war crimes. Now, if you give that same deal, do you give that same deal to Hitler? Anyone?
0: Oh, uh to to end like
2: the Holocaust
0: and stuff, like, Good. You like give the Hitler same deal will to Hitler. stop. Uh yeah, if, if he gets to stay in power and and he stops killing people, uh yes, yes. Okay,
2: what if he doesn't stop killing people? He just kills all the people inside his country. Um, we didn't, still, here's the
1: thing though, we didn't nuke Germany.
2: Oh, we were about to. We would have, if, if let's say the war goes on another six months, we probably would have nuked Berlin. The only reason that that, that was not considered was because you know, Trinity occurred after VE day. I'm not going to kill 250,000 innocent
0: people to kill one guilty person. It wasn't, I'm, I'm sorry. it was
2: okay. So, you're okay then with the invasion of the home islands and. About forty-five thousand prisoners of war being killed by the Japanese the second we set foot. I, I, I would not order. have
0: invaded. I guess is okay. i do not invade,
2: so you're okay with starvation then. No, I'm, not okay, then, 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 I'm, I'm talking, talking about now. trying
0: to feed them, and you're assuming I'll... that all my rice crates land in the ocean. So I guess I'm I'm even, even, okay, okay, I, look, Hannah,
2: we're talking a hundred million people. Okay. You serve a hundred people. What That's are the assumptions
1: based on a trajectory, based on a formula, assuming based we based on what the future
2: ration, will be. based on war rations in Japan at the time and how they were declining. They were less. They were in some cases less than seven hundred calories per day. Yeah,
1: and okay. I understand that. I'm not denying now. now that my
2: fact. fat, but could you that- use that?
1: we knew exactly what the future was and that there were zero other options.
2: Okay, so it's okay to starve them because that's what- We weren't will... the
1: ones starving them, though. So I can control my so-
0: conscience. I can't control somebody else's conscience. I take responsibility for the 250,000- okay, so it is. So exactly. we've got it on
2: both of you on, on here saying that I would not have nuked it because those people were killed, but I'm okay to watch them starve to death.
0: I mean, if you're
2: assuming that every one of my rice crates ends up in the ocean, I guess I'm a, I'm right? a, everyone makes it. Every single yeah. one makes it. Every right. single one. Logistically, Sweet. how much rice can you deliver?
0: You know what? I can keep trying, and and really because I'm a non-interventionist, I I am not even I, saying that this would be a government operation. You're, you're losing five percent you, of your air you crews. When I weekend.
1: was a single mom, 5%. barely 5%. and lost my job and had to try to feed my kid, and you know there were times I was hungry. You know, I should have stepped back and thought, damn, you know, I can't feed my family. So we should just bomb the
2: house. Like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. me. This is, this is, hang on here. You live in probably the greatest country it's ever been in society. Some of you may debate that. Okay. But realistically, think about this. We have the one, we are in most cases. Don't get me wrong. There are things that we are terrible on. Trust me on this. But you have food banks, you have food shelters, you have you have shelters that are all around. This is Imperial Japan 1945. There is no 7-Eleven. There is no food shelter. There is nothing. This is Ethiopia. This is the Sudan. This is Yemen. These are all these countries that are going through starvation and that there is no logistical way to feed them effectively effectively I I want to hear how you are going to feed these people without saying we're just going to feed them because there's no logistical way you can
1: I, I've I, never assumed that we could I okay. never assumed it was necessarily our responsibility the same as I don't assume that it is my responsibility as an American to feed all of the hungry Americans I provide what I can when I can just the same it, as Hody is saying, but like, I don't damn. make the assumption that it is my responsibility to feed a whole bunch of people in another country. But I also know that, like, well, if I'm not going to feed them, I might as well blow them up. Like, it's just two totally separate things that just don't equate to me. It doesn't, okay, so mean that it's I can't your, make that connection.
2: It's not my problem, I think, is what I can just get. Let me know if I'm wrong here that they started a war we got up to them we went see ya you guys whatever happens happens that's in your border that's your responsibility have a good day is I mean, is that what is that the end of the war for you
1: i mean end of the war no because they're out there picking fights
2: okay but then but but, there's but, what what do you do then? You just do you do you because by the way, in between all of this, the war was still going on. It wasn't like we dropped two bombs and went, Everybody take a break. I mean, they did slow down in some bombing sorties. Oh, no, yeah, of course. Like but, nobody but they still, but they only still only Biden they,
1: assumes that when you you know do something, it stops instantly.
2: <laughs> yeah, but no, but the thing is, this is that when the emperor broadcast, I mean, there were still pockets of resistance, just like in Germany, just like in Japan. That fought until the bitter end because they wanted to, but there were a lot of them. They had here that second recording of Hirohito saying unconditional surrender, essentially. And I'm I'm trying I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. Trish, we'll talk later. Um, <laughs> this I you know what? And, and I'm sorry. I'm just that's just one that's just gonna anyhow. And I've lost my train of thought now on that.
0: I'm oh, sorry. I did too. <laughs> I, I'm. I, I mean, like, here's I'm my really thing. Of, I'm trying to say what I would I'm attempt to If I'm a baby do... murderer,
2: then go for it. Because you know what? The In the end, the reality is I'm not saying the means justify the end or the end justifies the means. What I am saying is looking at a shitty situation, which everybody signed off on at the time. History has proven that the invasion of the Soviet Union was, while helpful, did not end the war. What ended the war was Hiroshima being bombed, and then the second bomb coming after the War Council, which, by the way, couldn't meet. Do you remember that, Hody, when reading through your stuff? The the war, Council, the war Council wasn't able to meet for a couple of days between Hiroshima and Nagasaki. In fact, they got the, they got the notice about the bombing of Nagasaki because the War Council never met because one of them was uh, too busy. He had other things to take care of. So the war council never met after the first atomic bomb until just before the Nagasaki bomb fell. And then while they were in the meeting, they found out, oh, by the way, they just bombed Nagasaki. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, that same war council is the one that several days later, uh, several of them tried to basically stop the surrender from here from that was recorded by Hirohito for NHK recorded on two discs. The first one he didn't like. So he recorded a second one. His private guards went ahead and hit that uh, record and stuff in a bunch of paperwork because the people that were trying to take over were trying to find that disc to blow it up because those were the only copies of the emperor in his voice saying that they needed to go ahead and stop hostilities. And it wasn't until the next recording that was made that finally was said that he was going to surrender. I mean,
0: it took him a month, but... Yeah, I guess like it's it's one of those that it's like we had
2: we had the surrender and we accepted less charitable terms. I got I know the only why wait hang on the charitable terms that we gave them on the end of it to end the war was that he was a figurehead. That's it. Everybody else that was involved in that was supposed to be tried for war crimes. And you go through the list of the people that committed suicide. It's a pretty long list. Yeah, Bishito. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Right. So I mean
0: that's. I mean, they're,
2: they they, they took care of the problem. Thank you. So. We didn't have Nuremberg, but we right. also then had all the logistics of trying to feed 100 million people without a war going on, which we haven't even touched yet, in trying to get food into Japan.
0: I mean, that's one of my points is that like we would have been better off trying to do that. I don't know why. Apparently, oh. my whole point hinged on that. But like my oh. my point is that we opened a box that we cannot close.
2: That and we was, who's going to open. It was going to open. It
0: I was. guess the in- inevitability means we should do it. I, I guess I, I mean what inevitability decries that the war, the sun's going to explode,
2: but like, yes, it does. But hang on here. Was the bomb going to be invented because the world was, was the bomb. If world war two doesn't exist, does the atomic bomb get invented? Yes or no. Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct answer. Because it was already being bantered about by not only the Germans, the Americans, we're going back to the 1920s and 30s here when they were starting to discover not only fission, but that, you know, if you do a lot of fission at the same time, boom. But you have to do it at the right thing. Now, what is the complexity of an atomic bomb? How hard is it to build one nowadays, today? I mean, I've heard you
0: say it's easier than building a cell phone. I'll take your word for it. I honestly it's have never tried, so I don't
2: know. Your, your timing in a car engine is very close to the timing that you need for an atomic bomb.
0: Okay, I mean, I've never built one. I have no it's, idea. It's, but like, I can't I, say that actually, I
2: have Like, have
1: building it. an A bomb is not like building a nuclear weapon is not a difficult thing. The hard part is getting your hands on what you need.
2: Which actually is not even that. Is it, right nowadays. Like, it, back then, it really it was isn't very that different. hard. Like the the reason I'm not going to say anything
1: more than that because I don't need to be on another list.
2: <laughs> the, the Japanese. The big problem with the Japanese was they couldn't get enough enriched uranium and build the centrifuges fast enough. The Germans were on the path of that. But then we bombed their heavy water plant in Norway during World War II, which pretty much stopped their atomic bomb development. And they started going towards other weapons. So once again, though, if you're saying that we don't have a responsibility to feed them, which is why I saw a couple people come up and say we don't have a responsibility to feed them. Do we stop at the door and say, OK, hey, we kicked you back. Have a nice day. We're done. What, what, what is the end of, what is the end of World War II for you, Hody? What, what is the end? Yeah. How does the war end? I think we, I, I, I
0: think non-interventionalism. I think we, we preach peace. I think we practice peace. I don't think we even need to feed people. I just think we, we take care of our business here and hope that that's a good example for the rest of the world. And I think the thing is when we crack something like that, killing innocent people in mass, when you begin that, I don't know when that ends. And as a as a foreign policy, it really has not. And that is kind of my main issue, is that okay. World War II hasn't ended be, like in a policy of killing innocent people in mass, and it was kind of started by
2: this nuclear bomb. Hang on here. Whoa, I, whoa, whoa, rewind. Wait, I think,
1: wait. What's I'm gonna Australia? surprise Brian. <laughs> Like, I'm totally going to surprise Brian here. And while I understand what you're saying, Hody, the reality is, at the time, and given that you had, like, the Allies and the Axis powers and, like, everything else that was going on, like, it was so far beyond just us. And we were kind of pulled in. Like, we couldn't really avoid it. Now,
2: uh, I think that, we well, okay,
1: we could. We could right? have, but like, it would have been By terrible. the time we got to where we were with Japan, like, we were in, right? Like Mm -hmm. it just, it was what it was. And, you know, there's Pearl Harbor and the like. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you can't in my, like the way I see it, you can't look back and say, well, we should have never done anything at all because we were there. Like you can't undo that. Right. Today, going forward, I am very much a non-interventionist. Like we never should have been in the middle East for the last 20 years (laughs) All of All right. this never building your it's a recreational mick nuke, by the way.
2: I like um, recreational plutonium. Just don't ask what's in the fridge, please continue. <laughs>
1: um, but I I don't think like that just sounds a very black and white. Like you either do nothing or you bomb them, or you attempt to feed them and fail, or you bomb them. And I just think that if you go back, and we're not you know the political and military analysts of the time that were in the white house that were in the pentagon making these decisions right or in in theater making these decisions like so but the reality is there were probably almost definitely several other potential options to explore yeah I, I- and that is where I say the nuke shouldn't have been on the table at that point. There were like you can't say like we just ignore or throw some rice at them like it it wasn't gonna work that way. We all know that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that and nuke isn't the only answer. We live in a world of nuance, mm-hmm. right? Jacob's favorite word.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) We call him Captain Nuance. Captain Nuance.
1: Um, So. I like that. He really will. Um, So, like, that's where I get frustrated is when I hear this argument. It's very black and white, but it's not. It never was. No. No. It never was. And if you actually get to the core of the culture of the people of Japan, it truly has not changed. It truly has the cult. The core of their culture has not changed. Mm-hmm. They are intensely loving. They are intensely traditional. Yeah. They are intensely
2: all Intense. of protective
1: <laughs> and there's a lot of things, right? And over a period of time and a course of events from, you know, being led by this awful emperor, that culture led them down this path, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you look at them today, Their culture truly has not changed. What changed is their shift away from that particular leader and those circumstances, right? And so we could go back and analyze probably a dozen other options to pivot those circumstances in a way that didn't murder and vaporize a bazillion children in an instant, but also didn't equal another 100 million deaths over a long period of time. Like, it's not black and white. It's not either or. But what I can tell you is it never had to be a nuclear bomb.
2: I I, I disagree because the reason being is that looking at what was facing not only the United States but China, Russia, all these other countries that a land invasion was going to be horribly worse for everyone involved, World War II whacked about three percent of the world population. I and that's seventy-five million. So if we knock that number up to thirty, another thirty million, we've knocked out a good five percent of the population and about thirty percent, probably 15, 15 to thirty percent of the Japanese population. I don't see how that's a good thing. I don't see how war is a good thing. I'm not sitting here rooting for it. I'm never going to root for war. But I am going to root to when something starts like this. Unfortunately, you have the most effective way to end it. You end it, unfortunately. And that's not saying you drone strike a wedding. That's not saying that you drone strike. This wasn't a children's conference that unfortunately they dropped these bombs on. They were military centers of, of, of a shipyard and of armament manufacturings that happen to be in these towns, and that sucks. It would be great that if every military built a base like Pendleton and had 30 miles of space around it to say, bomb here, but please don't bomb our people around us. But logistically, it doesn't work because it ends up being like Area 51 where you have to fly everybody in every day. Logistically, that's very tough to do and to keep civilian employees. And Lou, I'm sure you know that as well. People live on off-base housing. They live close to the base. Why? They don't want to drive two hours each way to get to the base. Yeah. So that's just a reality of it. Well, my, way, yeah, my,
0: I mean, we, we just to wrap up here because we're almost done yeah, with our first segment. Just, I mean, my final thoughts is I, I, I do not like the precedent that that's set for the American government. I don't like what's happened going forward. I think we should have accepted the first terms of surrender. I understand that people are evil. Uh, I wouldn't nuke Yemen because of the starvation that's happening there. I wouldn't nuke Iran because of the starvation that they're carrying out. Um, I think there are instances where it's horrifying and maybe a nuke would alleviate it, but I don't trust the government to do that calculus is my point. And I think that, I mean, obviously I had different information than you, Brian, and I, Uh, i trust that that's just it happens i mean i and and i'm not i don't think either one of us are necessarily like cherry picking i just think it's when you go down the list of info, there's a lot to sift through i mean i was trying but it's a lot to sift through and i just you know i found the quotes that resonated with me obviously i was like hey if seven of the eight mili- five star military generals seem to think it wasn't necessary maybe they're right. onto something. And of course you well, have I other information that, but- as well. Like I, yeah. I think for me, if it's, if it's 50, 50 like that, I'm going to err on the side that doesn't involve killing 250,000 people instantly. And I'm going to go, as Lou said, just with something else. But I understand that if it was a contributing factor and maybe you got to do something really bad, for something good to come of it if that did bring about the end of the war then that is something we're talking about you know if it's something that we're looking at 400,000 starving people it does make us one of you how we view we're kind of viewing it right now with like the Taliban taken back over in yeah. Afghanistan with us pulling out like it's a negative but is it is it a necessary negative is it should we have stayed there just because it was the lesser evil that's why we have these debates you know that's why we talk But yeah, uh, (laughs) but yeah, anyway, uh, let's go ahead. I'm going to take a brief break and we're going to go into the peace of my mind segment. Thank you so much for hanging on, everybody. Peace of my mind segment. Now that all that filthy nuking people stuff is out of the way, because that's no fun. We get to talk about the real good stuff. I will begin. Um, And this is one I got to tell you, I am big on. I am actually big on the term social justice. I enjoy social justice. I like it. I think that social progression is great. I think it's great when we can call people what they deserve to be called, when they're treated with respect. But I think part of being in this movement, and I've had this be a piece of my mind before, but this was a really bad week to be a social justice warrior. There were three major instances, and I'm gonna to try to recall them all. I should have written them down beforehand. One was the guy, I don't know if you saw this at the Rockies game, and I'm a big Rockies fan, uh, yelling, Dinger. He was looking for the mascot, Dinger. And yelled it a couple of times, and everybody heard it, Ooh. and for some reason thought he was shouting the N-word. And there was a, a, a black individual at the, at the plate. And the MLB issued an apology. Uh, the Rockies issued an apology. All the announcers announced their disgust. People were saying, We're so sorry you had to hear that. Oh my goodness, this is whatever. And then as you break it down, and it's funny because my my friends and I, as Rockies fans, we saw this kind of before it became national news. Um, but you know, we saw it kind of when it when it first started to break. Is we we're like, I think he's waving at the mascot. Like, I think that's the guy there waving at the mascot. Oh, I think he's saying dinger. Now, in fairness. From far away, and it's a stadium. You're not sitting right next to him. It is hard to hear what what is being said. I understand people that thought it might have been the n word, but you basically called for like sanction these. <laughs> we we called for like canceling this dude and like killing him. And there were people who went way over the top with it and like let's find out where he lives first and kill him. And then it was like, oh, he was just trying to wave down the mascot. Like that's a that's a rough one and it's okay to be like hey maybe our trigger for outrage is just a little too ready like maybe we're just a little too ready to cancel and ask somebody like maybe it's time to just take a break take a moment take a deep breath uh, the other one that happened this week was uh, white people are not racist if they decide they don't want to wash their children every day now here's the thing there's a good point to be made here. There is a totally valid social justice point to be made here. Is that if a black person says, I don't wash every day, they're assumed to be gross. There's that they deal with this burden that because of the color of their skin, that they're gross or greasy or oily or disgusting, or dark, I mean, even just dark and like they're dirty. Right. And so they have this burden that's placed on them that a lot of people don't understand. However, the goal of social justice is not to bring white people down so that they experience injustice. It's to bring everybody else up so that everyone is experiencing social justice. So when you say that, (laughs) when you say that a white couple is being racist for admitting they don't wash their kids every day, you are hurting the cause big time in kind of a big way. And like, it is important to call this out because otherwise people who work hard for social justice are going to be lumped in with these weirdos, right? Who, who are like, oh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis are racist or Dak Shepard is racist because he doesn't shower every day. It's like, well, that's not it. Like there's a problem here, but the problem isn't, okay, who gets called racist? Like that's what we're trained right now, right? Like who's the racist? It's no, 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 no. We need to bring people up. The idea isn't to bring other people down. There's some people who deserve to be brought down, believe me, right? But they're not one of them. And so the issue is you can't, like, if you're just constantly going off about, like, oh, friggin Westboro Baptist Church, which is a good thing to go off about, by the way. Or, you know, politicians. Great thing to go off on, by the way. But if you're constantly going off about this and then you stay silent or you are actually part of the problem. When when you know a white couple says, Oh yeah, we, we wash our kids whenever they're dirty, then people aren't gonna trust what you say because they're gonna say, Oh, well, that's this person is just gonna attack everything on that side. And so they don't really have a scope, they don't have a target, they don't have a goal. And it's important for us to kind of understand those goals. I'm having a tough time remembering my third social justice weird oddity of the week, but I think those two will suffice. The thing is, is it's important. Luke, <laughs> go ahead.
1: Okay, like As a mom, and I'm sure Brian can totally relate to this one. Okay.
2: I, I don't even know what you're gonna say, but I'm probably going to agree wholeheartedly, please.
1: Okay. So, like, there's several aspects, right? Like, I don't wash my kid every day. Let me give you the reasons why. Because the doctors and everything I've ever been told and what I understand from nursing school and in general, just knowing my kid, if I wash her every day, her skin dries out. She gets like that itchy, bumpy, like it's not good for her skin. It is a scientific fact. <laughs> okay. Um, sometimes I'm freaking tired. I work all day and my kids run me ragged and I'm like, oh my God, we'll do it tomorrow. Okay. Okay. That's two. Oh, and the other one, and, like, I know the, the argument has kind of gone back and forth, like, whether it's washing your kids or washing yourself. And if you don't wash yourself every day, well, okay, I'm going to go real lefty on the lefties here. That's ableist. Right? If I have a disability, um, if I'm suffering with depression and I don't want to get out of bed, and you're like, oh, you're a racist now because you, you know. Fuck off! Like I'm sorry. I can. This is the dumbest shit. As a lefty, right. as a right. social justice
0: warrior, right? Yeah.
1: Fuck right off. Right. Okay, that's all I got.
0: I I, I like it. I mean, it, it I, hurts the cause, and people don't don't realize it. Go ahead, Brent.
1: Go ahead. Sorry. I-
2: ready, ready. Ditto.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! We agreed on something. It's amazing. Right. It,
2: it is absolutely ridiculous. This is one of those things that where I think people are just looking to be offended um mm-hmm. and
1: uh, i also have five I, people in my house and one shower yeah and we, 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 we all have to... busy schedules so we yeah. get in when we can
2: yeah and and just you know it's just life and stuff like that it's like you know what if, if this sounds like this more sounds like an ad for big water and big government big
0: water. Water. <laughs> <laughs> i love it
1: Don't so, tell Clint. so um. right,
2: yeah it's it's, it's it, uh, yeah big water says you need to shower every day or you're racist
1: Right. Oh, no, no, no. But then then we start showering every day and then we're elitists, which, again, makes us racist. So,
2: yeah, this whole thing is
1: fucking stupid.
2: And you're waste and you're not environmentally friendly because, come on, I mean, this not taking a shower, I guess would be the most environmentally friendly thing you can do because you're using probably 15, 20. Right. What happens in
1: like California and Arizona and out west where there's like you have to conserve water and please shower every other day? Like,
2: Christy, we appreciate that. We did not need to know. (laughs) i
1: don't shower every day either mostly because i'm freaking tired okay i'm tired i didn't shave my legs for like two years thank you covid (laughs) now notice i said two years and it's only been like 18
0: months yeah (laughs) the last six months of normal society wasn't great either i mean (laughs) yeah like yeah (laughs) Anyway, uh, that I mean, that's all I had was like, uh, and it's funny that I've I've brought this up a couple times before. And the thing is, is a lot of times when people bring this up, it's just to make social justice worries look stupid, like nine times out of 10 that you see somebody share this, like, look at this idiot lefty talking about how, you know, uh, Ashton Kutcher is a race is a racist because he doesn't shower his kids every day. It's like, it's made to look, make the left look stupid, right? My point is, though, like, if you ever want, so, like, social justice is important. Social progression is important. Self-empowerment is important. And feel people feeling honored is important. And I do feel like we need a lot of respect for that. But And that's why, like, I feel like it's important to call out these times. Because nine times out of ten, I'm on the other side, right? Like, I'm calling out, like, oh, my gosh, this guy is, like, being a gross racist or this guy's being an anti-Semite or but the thing is is if you don't also be like okay guys hang on Like, like like if you're one of the BLM people that were like it's cool to rob a target because you made BLM look really bad when really black lives really matter like, they really matter. And so it's like, I, I think the thing is, that if you care about your own cause, you do some self policing. I don't consider this as attacking the left. I consider this as self policing to be right. like, okay. Yeah. yeah totally agree. Really, okay. I'm, oh, and, sorry. And I'm, I'm
1: totally with you. And I, I'm <laughs> half joking about the Target thing. But like, I do. I hear this stuff like, oh, you shower your kids. That makes you racist. You know, I, I want to be like, hmm cops shooting black men for reaching for the id they asked for that's Correct. racist
2: yeah huh? yeah
1: it's not uh, susie for being too tired to wash your freaking kid at night like, yeah and,
2: and also kids, we have more important one, shit yeah yeah kids don't don't chop up from target they have one of the scariest uh security systems uh, everything facial recognition voice recognition gate recognition yeah just, uh, don't steal from target kids <laughs> yeah you know, from
1: walgreens and like no. Uh, walgreens is
2: probably getting there they were they really are, great about recording each was other so easy
1: to steal like everybody steal. between the age of like 10 and 15 yeah swiped a scrunchie
2: like yeah. everyone
1: <laughs> i know at some point
2: yeah but, just as long as you don't steal apples we're all good
0: right
1: right because <laughs> we will murder uh, you for some freaking apples
2: what I love about like the
0: target thefts was you had everybody that would bust in and then there'd be like three people on their phone, just like check out all the people like robbing the target. I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Like I've never robbed the place, but I feel like I could do, but I feel like I understand that that's a faux pas. I just, I'm just going to throw that out there.
2: Anyway, um, Brian, let's have a piece of your mind. Piece of my mind is really simple and it's a very popular topic. Um, vaccinations. Here we go. Hmm. Uh, uh, I am pro vaccination. Um, but that's my choice. Um, And that's the beautiful thing about this country is that in most cases, it is a choice. Now, don't get me wrong. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I am not doubting the, uh, the effectiveness of COVID of its mortality of how much of an impact it has on people. My personal recommendation is that the Moderna shot seems to be the most long lasting. And that at this point, it's as many doses that we have in, and the number of side effects we're seeing, probably pretty safe to get it. That being said, uh we have more than 50% of the population in Indiana already vaccinated. We probably have probably about another 10-15% that have antibodies. If you have antibodies and you've had the vaccine, it's pretty much the same thing. Now, yes, we are seeing people that are getting covid second and third time and those are interesting things to study. We're seeing breakthrough cases. Those are also interesting things to study. But the whole idea that everyone has to be vaccinated, that we have to to wipe the scourge off the planet, especially where people have either had COVID or have adverse reactions to COVID, is ludicrous. It's not based in science at all. It's not based on any single piece of any medical history other than we think it's the right thing to do. Which, wow, a surprise coming from the government. Um, but uh, once again, we're seeing companies all these other kind of quasi-government corporations saying, yeah, we're going to go towards the vax pass. Um, yeah, you should be deeply concerned about that. Uh, I just love the hypocrisy of your health care and your information is private and protected and you have a right to privacy, except when it comes to this one shot. And we don't care if you've had COVID or can't get vaccinated because of the adverse reactions you have. We have to know if you got the shot or not to be able to participate in society. Again, they're going about this the worst way possible and uh, surprises government. So um, that it's a pretty much a pretty good libertarian stuff. Although I'm pretty sure that I've offended a few people by saying that I got the shot and I'm for it. So fire away.
1: <laughs> I'm very much in agreement with you here. I'm Get it if you want it. You feel you need it. Mm -hmm. Don't if you're questioning or have doubts. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Science is hard, right? And this is new. And there's a lot of conflicting information. So I completely understand the hesitation. Or to want to sit back and go, I want to watch and kind of see how things play out for a bit. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm provax like my kids vaccinated for stuff I'm vaccinated but like I you know kind of like pump the brakes read a bunch of stuff and then wait and see what's happening like there's nothing wrong with taking your time particularly mm-hmm. on this and you know and I've said it before like it's my life motto and I have to thank my my former boss Marissa like This was a constant, like, literally one of the first things she said to me when she hired me was basically the only rule is don't be a dick. And I was like, this is a great place for me. So, but that's my life motto, truly, is don't be a dick, right? So if I'm not vaccinated or I have a little bit of a cough, I know it's allergies because I'm allergic to, like, everything that blooms, right? But I'm not going to go up to people and be like, Hey, how are you? Like, cause I'm not an asshole. Like, oh, right. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to do that. I also work in a field where I am constantly sterilizing and cleaning and things like that. So I'm very aware of that. I am, you know, I have to study and be certified for like understanding and preventing bloodborne pathogen transmission and things like that. So like, I Get it, and I'm cautious, and I'm can you know, I try to be as um, like what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I'm tired when I can't think of a word. Um, I I just want to be nice, like considerate that's the word, considerate of people around me. Just as long before this existed, I'm a smoker, right? Like, I'll smoke cigarettes, I really enjoy my cigarettes. Um, but I'm not one of those smokers that gets like shitty about people not liking my cigarette smoke. Like I don't I don't know, Levi, I don't know you. I'm going to step as far away as I can. I'm going to blow it away from you. If the wind takes it towards you, I apologize. I'm so sorry. Let me move. Like you didn't ask to smoke my cigarette. Right? Like but again, and this goes back to Japan. I grew up in a country where even if it was just cherry blossom season so you had the sniffles, You put on a mask to go to freaking work. That was the culture because we were considerate, right? Like everyone on the train every single day wore a mask. Like that's just what you do. Um, You didn't have to. No one expected you to. It was just sort of this understood, you know, if you're going to be around a bunch of old people today, eh, wear a mask just in case. You know, be considerate. And that's it. That's it. It's not that freaking hard, you know. So I'm with you. And I don't, I don't like the idea of like a vax pass or like limiting people's, um, transportation or ability to travel or participate in public (laughs) stuff. Like it weirds me out a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like, I really wish people would be more considerate. Like, I I just want to put up a science, like, don't be a dick.
2: My, my favorite part of the whole thing was this, was that that some of the places are saying, well, you should just use your smartphone and order groceries, and you can pick them up. That way you don't have to go into the store. Then you won't need a Vax Pass. Well, wait a minute here. I, I have to have a smartphone now and a smartphone plan to get groceries. Sounds elitist. Just, just a little.
0: I but mean Your photo and-
2: ID? Oh, God, no, 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 no.
1: It, <laughs> oh, <it's-> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need an ID, but... Unless it's for voting,
2: yeah. Then, then yeah. Somehow, perfectly fine.
0: Right, <laughs> and then if we talk about
2: disparate outcomes, right? <laughs> I mean, who are who are the people
0: that are least vaccinated right now? I mean, and not to be just huh. like not to even just pull the race card. Uh, healthcare workers are pretty <laughs> have a pretty I low vaccination that really rate right fascinating.
1: now. Fascinating. Yeah, and that's something I've really been watching.
0: So so like there's a lot of disparate outcomes and and not just racist, although also racist disparate outcomes from mandating these certain things that that we're trying to do. And all of a sudden you kind of say like we're back to the age where it's like, no, I'm banning crack because it's bad for you. But I'm not banning extra large, you know, coats, even though that's also bad for you, because Chicago did. That's a white people problem. And that's a black people problem. Well, Chicago's got all problems. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) um, but there's, okay, so like, I will qualify this by saying two things. One, if it's a public organization, they should never, ever, ever, ever be able to discriminate. So that's just right off the bat there. And if you say, well, what about this? Well, then that's probably a good reason why it needs to be a private organization because it's public at the very minimum should never be able to discriminate. Number two, I am also opposed to any kind of public official vaccine passport thing. However, I do struggle with this. If I support somebody's right not to bake the cake, right? And I do, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. But if I say you don't have to bake the cake, if you also go out there and say, I don't want to serve unvaccinated people, I don't love that either. But I do think it's a right, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, not fun, but like it is, it's, you know,
2: it's, it's one of those things that gets down to personal choice in the end. And if I choose that, you know what, I don't want a bunch of apologetic uh, apologizing for five-year-old stealing from an apple cart, anti uh, atom bomb people coming into my business. I can put that sign up. Now, don't be surprised if people go, well, he's limiting these people. What else? You know, it again, don't it gets back to Lou's point. Don't be a dick. But the problem is a lot of people have a different definition of what being a dick is. So (laughs) that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: All right, Lou, why don't you close
2: that with a piece of your mind? Mm -hmm. Lou lost audio, apparently. Oh, that's okay. Yeah.
0: I like looking at her pretty face yeah. anyway.
2: And and, and, a- and consternation. What the <laughs> hell just happened? Oh, she just went away. <laughs> we'll see her soon. <laughs> yep, we'll see her soon. I you know, the funny thing is, is that all of the COVID uh, uh I mean it's like COVID security theater um that goes on nowadays. And and i I'm gonna be really interested five, seven years from now, hopefully when this all this is over, for people to do regressive studies and find out that probably mask mandates were pretty much useless especially with cloth masks and uh, 90 if you're really gonna do it make them wear them n95s um but that the reality is is that being inside is the worst thing for covid um being outside in the sunshine and things like that is the best thing to prevent covid
0: so you're saying so, arresting
2: those surfers was not one of the best things we could have done i I just love it because <laughs> every every. But the thing is, this gets back to where the government's being incredibly dense. It's like, you know, we want people to be outside. No, I don't want them licking hands and shaking hands, licking their hands and shaking hands and doing stuff like that. But you know what? If they do, they understand the risk. Um, I, I just feel like uh, the movie Airplane, where the guy's sitting there going, going, you know, they bought their tickets. They knew what they're going into. Let them crash. You know? right? <laughs> right. Um, right. It's, it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. Like, I I think the thing is, is I, I I think the tough thing is, is government involvement is hard because I think everything is touched in some degree by government, some more than others. Right. Like, absolutely. It's, it is hard when it's something like social media, because I don't have, I can't have this. I want to say this purist mentality. It's their platform. They do what they want, right? But they do so much of the, it's our platform. And then it's like, and it's, public platform and it's just like oh man this this all sucks like
1: i I can't hear you you. you. i can't hear you
2: oh Oh, that's
0: okay you probably didn't want to anyway
2: yeah that's (laughs) (laughs) great but 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 hody i think the big thing there is Uh the minute that you start taking directions from the government Mm -hmm. can't hear us sorry i
1: got nothing
2: oh the minute you start taking directions from the government means that you are basically that that you've become an arm of the government there's some things to say hey look we don't want you to have a uh, um <laughs> as long as you get your obama phone um it's one thing to say we don't want you using this side of the street over here is your entrance from the government we want you to use this over here because for some reason it makes more sense okay uh it's another thing to to be like you know what Here's 17 people we don't like very much. We think you ought to look into their histories. It's like sticking the IRS on political people who go up and question Obama, you know, Biden, anybody else. If you're using political power, if you're using your political power to affect someone's private life, uh, it better be criminal in nature. Um, And and I mean, uh, it's either criminal that you're doing the investigating or what you're doing is criminal. So, Lou, can you hear us? I'll take that as a as a resounding no. Yeah. No,
0: oh, I'm sorry, Lou. <laughs> you want to? Talk, I'm trying to sign language to her. Do you want to say? All right, guys.
1: Yeah. I can you hear me? Okay. So, considering I can't hear anything else that's happening, I'm gonna wing it. So, is it my turn for the piece of my mind? I love this. Is the most awkward thing ever. Although I should be used to it. <laughs> Dancing. That's. Oh my, wait. So, is this what I have to do to like make you guys do really embarrassing stuff on camera? Because this is great. We're recording, right? Like, <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, no, I wanted to be pretty quick about uh, the piece of my mind today. And it, it is sort of related to what Brian was talking about um, as far as like medical stuff goes and vaccines. Um, I came across a conversation earlier today, and I think Hody saw me flip. Out on Facebook this morning about it. Um, and there was this discussion about how, you know, vaccines are fake news and polio was never eradicated. And it's just been renamed Guillain Barre syndrome. And I wanted to run my head into a brick wall. <laughs> I can see that Brian is thinking the exact same thing that I am, um, you know, and when I was kind of, I was scratching my head and trying to be like, wait, what, what are you talking about? And a lot of these, you know, and of course that, well, research it yourself. And here's this video on YouTube. Like, mm, okay, that's really all I need to know, but okay. Um, and first, you know, first, a lot of the resources that they were talking about said things uh, having to do with, um, third world countries that do still have polio. Um, You know, when we talk about polio being eradicated, we are talking about here in America, not a third world country, right? And so that's the first sort of like straw man that they like to use. And then when they continue to talk about Guillain-Barre syndrome and, and they list a couple other things that is, and what they're doing is they're comparing a paralytic symptom that is similar or the same across a handful of different things and saying, well, it's the same. It's the same. And I'm laughing to myself. And then of course there's the, well, why isn't there a vaccine for Guillain-Barre? Because it's not a virus. It's an autoimmune nervous system response. Like, and as someone who like dealt with Guillain-Barre for like a year and I have other autoimmune diseases, like, you don't, oh God, you know, one of the, one of the comments said something to the effect of like, well, demyelination is demyelination. I'm talking about the the sheath that basically protects your nerves, right? And when that sheath gets damaged, you have all kinds of issues, pain, paralysis, neuropathy, etc. cetera. Um, something I have dealt with for many, many years. And it is a symptom or a response to, and it can be, you can have a virus, that triggers this response you can have a trauma that triggers this response you can have a hereditary oops you're shit out of luck <laughs> that triggers this response right but there's nothing actually viral in like you cannot test for uh gbs in the blood like it's not viral they do a spinal tap and like muscular and nerve biopsies, which I have had, and they are God awful. Some of the most painful tests I've ever been through in my life. Um, and meanwhile, a test for something like polio, which is a virus, is tested in the blood. And it's terrifying to me that there are people out there who are it the numbers because this was like some big politician who posted something and it was hundreds of responses that really truly believe this stuff, and it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. In the same way, I look at that the same way as I look at people like um, Green, what's her name, Green in Congress or whatever. I mean, she's absolutely batshit crazy. Like, Mar- Marjorie, how Taylor did you Green. get in this position? When you believe some of the wackadoo shit you believe, it's terrifying. Yes, leprosy still exists in a lot of places. In fact, leprosy still exists um, quite commonly in Central and South America, and even in some parts of the southern U.S. Because it is a virus that does not have a specific vaccine and is can be spread. The armadillos, one of my favorite animals. And it's really unfortunate because I want to pick them all up and hug them. Okay. I'm going to stop talking because I don't know what you're saying. And so I'm going to let you talk.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, first of all, like I can't believe that there are actually people that like think that because the symptom is the same, the diagnosis is the same. I mean, like you can watch an episode of house and like the joke is what they think everything is uh, that one disease. Uh,
2: Lupus. Lupus, everything's lupus, lupus.
0: yeah, everything's lupus, right? All the all the symptoms sound like lupus, right? So like I just looked up offhand rashes, and there's like sixty-eight different causes for rashes. Like, so there it doesn't make any sense that somebody would think that I have lupus, so that's awesome to me. Oh, they they everybody has lupus, apparently. No, um, but there's there's like There's a million different causes for these things. Like like there's 68 different causes for a rash. And some of them, you have a cream. Some of them, you have a pill. Some of them can't be cured. Some of them are like hereditary. Like that's just, I I don't know. That strikes me as common sense. So I think the reason I was surprised at it, Lou, when you mentioned it, and apparently you can hear me now, which is cool. But uh, (laughs) um, I was surprised when you mentioned it is because I was like, are there actually people that are still like this? Like this is like who believes this? oh i'm on the phone okay sweet like i can't believe there are actually people that believe like this i I don't know it it, it's it it blows my mind
2: there's plenty of them out there there's plenty of people there convinced that 5g makes the frogs gay and therefore makes my kids gay so of course they're going to believe that if uh, (laughs) I, i i oh my god grandma lost her leg it's definitely polio or, you know, it's like she lost feeling if she got the vaccine. It's definitely polio. They're injecting you with polio. You know, I mean, it, there's a bunch of stupid people out there. The best way to deal with stupid people is to not make them stupid people. Uh, the best way to deal with asshole stupid people uh, is just generally mocking them or just basically giving them an open door to say, maybe stop being an asshole, maybe stop being stupid. Um, but, but again, it still falls down to the end of. of humanity is kind of on board with this. They realize that Yanbar is a real syndrome and it's not polio. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't get it. So that's
0: right. It strikes me as strange that people would even say that. But I like you
2: said, there are people who think the 5G is making the frogs gay. So I guess this the funny thing about the 5G. I'm going to go on my little techno rant here. Hit me. If, if you are convinced that 5G is altering our DNA, take a look at the frequency that it operates at. Then I want you to go over to your microwave and take a look at the frequency it operates at. Uh, if, if the frogs are gay, it's because you've been making too much microwave popcorn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, uh, with Lou having audio issues and, and this being what it is, I think now's about a good time to wrap up, but I appreciate everybody for joining us today. I appreciate the uh, strong feelings uh, demonstrated here, Brian. I still love you, buddy. Barely. I mean, Hey, you know, my bomb, <laughs> <Yeah>. my choice. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you're following your choice good point uh but yeah I just uh I, I appreciate the thoughts and I hope you gave everybody a lot to think about I'm glad uh for your input as well Lou and for having my side which is the correct side uh, till the very end there where you gave Brian a bone that what that was unnecessary but I'm gonna try not to hold that against you as much as I can anyhow <laughs> thank you both for joining us everybody for listening thanks for tuning in love you all very much Mwah. have a good one